0: All right, we're going to be bringing to you our next presenter. He has the enviable or unenviable position, depending on how you look at it, of being the middle guy today. He doesn't have to start it, and he doesn't have to end it, so he is on safe ground. He's had one presenter in front of him and one to follow you will love this presenter. I can personally tell you I've known him many, many years. He's a joy to be around, he is fun and yet spiritual. Originally from Michigan, he relocated to California many years ago and we look at him as though he is a native Californian because he has been there several decades now. Senior pastor in Redlands, California, holds a Bachelor of Arts, holds a Master's degree. More importantly, what he has done with those degrees is what's impressive about his journey. He has some life achievements that are significant and will in all probability outlive him. Not all of us can say that. We make achievements, but sometimes they go by the way of the grave with us. But he has involved himself in things. One of them is a work called Hope Corps that is gaining momentum, becoming more important all the time. And should the Lord tarry, I'm confident that his work in Hope Corps will outlive him and become a major part of his legacy. The other thing that he has a heart for that is so admirable is global missions. If You want to talk about missions? He's interested in listening. And he has a lot to say about it as well. Highly admire this man. I believe in him very strongly. Brother B.J. Wilmoth is coming to speak to us on A Theology of Tongues. Would you welcome him today with a round
1: What a fabulous time that we're having here, and uh, I'm definitely enjoying myself. Uh, The Mayo, Pastor Mayo and his wife have been so hospitable to myself. Meals, beautiful room, um, time together, and great texts that encourage you and lift you up. And that means a lot to me to be with them. And then with uh, not just them, but brothers and sisters. Amen. And to be with folks that I love the church and to be with people that are important to me. Now, I have um, a couple of things. First of all, I want to say I told my wife not to listen to me on Holy Ghost radio, but to pray for me. Okay, and um, because what I've done is she would not like it, I've wore the most comfortable shoes that I could because I knew I might be up here a long time. And to make my time go quicker, I have a team that will be helping me answer the questions at the end Uh, Brother, uh, my pastor, Bishop Wilson, along with Brother Trees, along with Brother King, and then also another uh, individual that just submitted their paper for their doctorate last night, Brother Miles Young. And uh, they will be helping with the questions. And uh, then also uh, I have someone else special, Elijah, who's going to be helping me. He's my cadet. He said he's supposed to do anything, so he will be helping me with your questions. So we are going to have a great session together. And um, I've met a sound man back there, a good man, by the name of Brian, and um, I enjoyed uh, visiting with him a little bit. And um, he gave me something that I thought, oh, that is so good. And uh, he told me, that, uh, you know, you don't have to, uh, speak loud into this mic, that the gain is hot, and we will, uh, keep you up, and I said, well, do you want me to be Pentecostal, and, uh, he said, well, I can turn you down, um, (laughs) and so we had a great discussion, and he said, you know, uh, he said, I saw one guy that had, uh, he had a t-shirt on, and he had a guitar, and he was singing, and, uh, and on the t shirt, it said, Can you give me a little bit more talent in my monitor? And um, I thought, Oh, that's so good. So, Brian, can you give me a little bit more brains and academia in my, in my speakers today so they think that I'm smart? Thank you so much. To save time and to help you not have to read a boring introduction, we're going to jump right into, uh, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to page six, and we're going to start right there and go from, from there, skipping that long introduction so we can move forward. The majority of apostolic Pentecostal church writers have understood tongues as an identification. This understanding has led them to the following thoughts of identification. It is the sign of God's Spirit being within an individual. The individual has become a member of the body of Christ. In Acts, we find the first record of individuals experiencing speaking in tongues. Because we've had to defend this phenomenon and these truths, it's caused us to do intensive study into the book of Acts. We've become great theologians of this. Of these experiences this is, has stunted us from developing a total theology of speaking in tongues that would include not just the history of the initial experience, but an understanding of later theology that Paul wrote of concerning the spirit and speaking in tongues. When writing of the Holy Spirit, we've placed great emphasis on the following: What is the Holy Spirit who should receive the Holy Spirit? how to receive the Holy Spirit, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes, speaking in tongues as the initial sign of the Holy Spirit, and the gift of tongues. This has been the basic outline of the majority of our writings. The, the largest segment of, the, of their discussion concerning this subject has revolved around the function of speaking in tongues as the initial sign of the material written concerning speaking in tongues, Little has been discussed concerning other functions of speaking on tongues other than the use of tongues of spiritual gifts. The dialogue of tongues with the spiritual gifts the majority of the time has been a discussion of the difference of tongues as the initial sign and tongues and its interpretation. Perhaps another reason the apostolic Pentecostal church has not developed a theology of tongues is the belief by some apostolic Pentecostal church ministers that speaking in tongues is not necessary after the initial filling of the Spirit. There is no need to speak in tongues after the initial uh, speaking experience if speaking in tongues does uh, does nothing more than act as a sign. When the initial experience of speaking in tongues is the sign of Spirit baptism, and this is an important function of speaking in tongues. This is not the total sum of the function of tongues. Are there other functions of speaking in tongues? If there are, why is it important to examine these functions? Could it be if the Apostolic Pentecostal Church had a deeper theology of the total function of speaking in tongues that we would be more concerned about clinging to this experience? rather than following the trends of other Pentecostal movements and relegating this to a one-time experience or event that is not needed to be in the church? Could this experience become more than an identification of belief and begin to be a motif that could, would be integrated into the life of every apostolic Pentecostal church member? Could the personal growth of each disciple be accelerated through speaking in tongues? The apostolic Pentecostal church must develop a deeper teaching pattern to teach our people not to let go of this experience. The more significance we, get, we view the experience, the event, the greater the need to protect and propagate it to others. If speaking in tongues are only used as an identification that the Spirit has taken up residence, then after a person is filled with the Spirit, the spirit speaking in tongues would cease. If it has other properties, then we must seek to continue to allow itself to operate in our lives. Why is it important to examine the other functions of speaking in tongues? Because of speaking in tongues has other functions. Understanding these functions will cause us to seize the experience and never allow it to vanish from our midst. Important issues concerning speaking in tongues. I'm now going to read uh, out of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, the church that he founded in Acts 18. Uh, This letter is not the first letter, though we call it uh, 1 Corinthians. There was actually a letter that was written before this, and um, thus Paul is answering questions that have been given and uh, talking about different things. In First Corinthians, this is written somewhere around uh, fifty-five to, f- to fifty-six A.D. Uh, First Corinthians fourteen one through five: Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he that speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets, the church may receive edification. Paul mentions the following facts about personal speaking in tongues. The one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but speak to God. The one who speaks in tongues speaks mysteries. The one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. And the fourth, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. The word speak in the Greek is lelo, the Definition of a word according to, to the word, according to Strong's, is to utter a sound or emit a sound, to use the tongue or facility of speech, to utter articulate sounds, to use words in order to declare one's mind and declaring one's thoughts. It's a commonly used verb throughout the New Testament, yet for Paul, it is used in 1 Corinthians more than any other letter. 38 times he uses this verb in 1 Corinthians, 10 times in 2 Corinthians. In all of his letters, he only uses it a combined 13 times with 1 Thessalonians having used 5 times and raking as the third highest letter of use. Speech was an important action for Paul to address with the Corinthian church. He would speak wisdom into the mature. God's wisdom to them with words that were taught to him by the Spirit by comp- combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. He states that he wouldn't speak to them as spiritual men, but as infants. In chapter 14, Lalo is the prom- predominant verb throughout the chapter. Here, Paul uses the word 29 times. Speech would be an important subject for the Corinthian church. In this chapter he will address the issue of speaking in tongues in the public service. He will give guidelines on the proper use of speaking in tongues with interpreter. Yet will also introduce an important revelations concerning personal speaking in tongues. The revelations will include the evidence that Paul speaks in tongues in personal prayer. Verse 15, he boasts in the fact that he speaks in tongues more than anyone else in the Corinthian church. He also reveals to us that the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to men but to God. It's speech to God and not for men. Speech to God must be considered significant because of the position of God. He is the eternal king, immortal, invisible, and the in fact the only God. We Christians do not We do believe that all and any prayer to God should be regarded as important, whether in the mouth of an adult or a child. The word mystery is found in 28 locations in the New Testament, with 21 of those being written in the writings of Paul. First Corinthians, Paul uses this word five times. He connects mystery with God's wisdom. Apollos and Paul are stewards of God's mysteries, love, personal speaking in tongues, and resurrection of God the body mysterion from the word mayo which is to shut the mouth and means that which must not and cannot be said practically where where mystery occurs in the new testament it is found with verbs denoting revelation or proclamation that is a mystery is that which is revealed it is a present day secret not from some isolated fact from the past which merely needs to be noted but something dynamic and compelling. It speaks of the ongoing revelation of God's purpose to man. The term describes the making known in the present of certain truths concerning God's plan of salvation that has been kept secret from earlier generations. Chapter 2, Paul describes how he came to the church at Corinth. He relied on the Spirit to be his guide, support, and chief subject. The Spirit was what he demonstrated in verse 7. Paul describes the wisdom of God as being in a mystery. God's wisdom was not known by rulers, for if they had known it, they would have not have crucified Christ. They were ignorant of God's purposes and plans. Paul believes that God's plans and purposes for every individual, that God has plans and purposes for every individual. He states to the church at Ephesus, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. Paul understands that the mind of man cannot perceive the great and wonderful plans that ha- God has for those that love him, chapter 2, 9, yet are revealed to us by the Spirit of God, Two ten, When two people sit in com- conversation, they only, o- the only way they know each other's thoughts are when they speak. Their outward expression conveys their inward thoughts. If the thoughts are plans which are a mystery, then the mouth is myo, shut and lips remain silent. The other individual does not know what the other plans are until the thoughts are spoken. Yet Paul states that that their individual spirit knows what their mind is thinking before the words are placed on their tongue. This is the same for God. God's spirit knows what God's thoughts are. Before they are spoken, knowledge of God's purposes is revealed to us by God's Spirit. The purpose of which we have received God's Spirit is so we will know what God has, all, has given to us freely. In 1 Corinthians fourteen two, Paul verifies that when a person speaks in tongues, he speaks to God. He speaks mysteries. The one who speaks in tongues utters secret truths in the Spirit, which he alone shares with God and which his fellow man, even a Christian, does not understand. The Greek word for in the spirit is a noun, and it is in the date of sense. This is the agency by which something is done. It is being done in the spirit that you are able to speak the revealed plans and purposes of God. Private speaking in tongues becomes the means by which the spirit will reveal to the individual spirit of a person God's plans and purposes. Speaking in tongues has use beyond the initial experience of the filling of the Holy Spirit and must be encouraged. Paul agrees and commands the church at Corinth not to forbid individuals for speaking in tongues. By not forbidding, he is encouraging. Paul's theme of edify in 1 Corinthians. We understand that function of tongues as the initial sign of the filling Infilling filling of the Holy Spirit, is founded in Acts 2, 8, 10, and 19. Three of these four events would have preceded Paul's travel to Corinth in Acts 18. At the end of 18 months, Paul continues his second missionary journey, traveling on to Ephesus. F.F. Bruce states that the 18 months stretched from the autumn of, uh, of A.D. 50 to the spring of A.D. 52. The next five years of Paul's life are devoted not To so much missionary journeys as to inaugurating, consolidating Christian witness in two important centers, west and east of the Aegean, first Corinth and then Ephesus. That does not mean that Paul does not journey. In fact, his third missionary journey will happen AD 53 through AD 57. It's while he's on the journey that the questions from the church of Corinth to Paul will be answered by Paul in the two letters that we have. Paul's address is what Fee calls task theology. It's not the reflective theology of the academia or the academy, but the theology that takes place in the marketplace. It is where belief and the experience of God run head-on into thought system, religion, and the everyday life of people. Years have passed from the initial speaking in tongues experience, yes, yet in the Corinth, Corinthian church, speaking in tongues continues to be practiced and has become spe- something of the norm in their services. Paul is forced to begin the process of development of a theology for speaking in tongues. He must address the following, since speaking in tongues is the work of the Spirit, and the Corinthian church is continuing to have speaking in tongues to happen. What is the Spirit doing? What is the continued purpose and value in speaking in tongues? It must have other functions than just being an individual sign of spirit baptism. It is in their correction of public worship that Paul begins to state his theology for speaking in tongues. This theology is linked together with other thoughts in in the letter by the Greek word, which is building up edification or edify. The word edification controls the thought of the entire chapter. It's used four times as a noun in verses 3, 5, 12, 26, three times as a verb in verses 4, 17. It is not only impacts this chapter, but is woven throughout the letter and is used in the following locations. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? 1 Corinthians 10:23. All things are lawful for me, but all things are all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Bromley states that the Pauline concept of this word has two tasks: the apostolic task, and Paul's letters' uh, edification is important. It denotes first an apostolic activity. Paul may de- destroy when necessary, but his true work is to build up. In 1 Corinthians 3:10, one apostle lays the foundation, another builds upon it. The community is the object. It has a community task, important to Paul, as the spirit builds up the community. Edification for him has a charismatic and spiritual bearing. Edification goes hand in hand with exhortation or encouragement and with consolation. The edification is at the same time with the community and of individuals. Knowledge alone does not edify, as some seem to have thought at Corinth. Eating idol meat might be lawful, but it could destroy it rather than build up. Love, however, always serves to edify. At the church of Corinth, they all came together with a mission. They wanted to edify each other when they were together. They came to the service with a tongue or a psalm. For Paul, the public service was the place where communal edification should reign supreme. This event must not be disrupted by any distractions. The building up the community comes about when we are all in the same place with a common language that's understandable. That common language allows the transfer of ideas and thoughts that the speaker gives as inspired by the Holy Spirit. The common language is a language that's understood by all. When someone is speaking in tongues with the interpreter present and active, then edification will be taken. may take place when there are speaking in tongues without an interpretation. Communal edification will not happen. In this discussion, Paul introduces another task of the Spirit, and that is an individual's edification. Paul's contrast in this chapter is not between tongues and prophecy as to their inherent value, but as to the direction of their edification. The edification of the individual believers is not undesirable. It's simply not the point of gathered worship. Even though this is not the primary task of the public service, individuals are edified by speaking tongues. Their purpose is not to speak to men, each other, but to speak to God. When When they speak, they also speak mysteries. These words are mysteries, not because they are not understood by the speaker, because they are not understood by the speaker, neither hearer. Yet speaking in tongues has personal edification. This is not a self-centered action, but a personal edification that comes through private prayer and praise. This is not a negative action to Paul, since he plainly states he speaks in tongues more than you all and corrects anyone forbidding them to speak in tongues. It's important to understand the thought of speaking in tongues to edify the individual has been written to a church which has already experienced the initial sign of speaking in tongues. If speaking in tongues were only for that purpose, then he would not have stated what he did. Paul is saying there's benefit in speaking in tongues after the initial experience. We parse edify in fourteen four, we find it's a verb. In the present tense, in the present tense, the action of the verb is presented as actually being in the process in the present time. Paul believes when the individual speaks in tongues, they're building themselves up as they speak. It's happening immediately, not later. It's in the indicative mood. The mood relates the verbal idea to the speaker's attitude. The indicative mood presents something as being certain. When the individual speaks in tongues, Paul is certain they're building themselves up as they speak. There's no guesswork. When preaching, the speaker is trying to build up the hearer, but the hearer has the responsibility to receive. There's uncertainty in the heart of the preacher if the, if the community was built up or not. It's in the active voice. It's the voice that expresses relationship of the subject to the action. The active voice stresses the one speaking is doing the building. Paul is stating that when an individual speaks in tongues, they are building themselves up as they speak. God Paul gives the following sources for edification love prophecy tongues that are interpreted the preached word of God faith comes by hearing Romans individuals to other individuals 1 Thessalonians 5:11 The international commentary states not that tongues were useless no one who exercises this gift one who exercises this gift may build up his own spiritual life by it Personal speaking in tongues and worship and prayer is the only source that allows you to build up yourself without anyone else involved. What is the foundation of Paul's belief it is an understanding as you examine his thoughts of his own personal prayer time? He states the following First Corinthians fourteen, fourteen through fifteen. If I pray in a tongue my spirit prays. My understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. Paul reminds the reader that man has a spirit and a mind. In his prayer times, at, time, at times he prays in tongues, and other times a language that he presently speaks and understands. When he prays in tongues, His spirit is built up, edified. When he prays in a language he understands, his mind is edified. He believes that spiritual edification can take place in ways other than through the cortex of the brain. He believes in immediately communing with God by means of the spirit that sometimes bypasses the mind. Chapter 2, 9 through 13. Paul has stated that the secret wisdom of God was revealed to those filled with the Spirit by their Spirit. Who knows what the thoughts of man are except the Spirit of the man? They are only revealed by man's word. The thoughts of God are the same. They are only known except by the Spirit of God. When we're praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, the Spirit is revealing God's thoughts to us. When he's praying... The Holy Spirit is there and is commuting with Paul's spirit in a deeper measure than his understanding communes with his human spirit. The use of the word edify, which is defined as build up, gives the thought of an architect for the building construction, uh, for, the building construction for the building construction personnel. The architect has a completed building in mind before he places on the paper after placing on paper the design, the necessary instructions he, they give to the contractor, begins the building of the plan. The end result of the corporate church being built up and public worship is seen by Paul in being God's building. He also stresses this to the Ephesians church, stating that they are built together, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, Ephesians 2, 22. Peter also agrees with Paul in this declaration when he states, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2, 5. How will this take place? Paul realized that the Spirit is doing the building up. The Spirit will use Apollos and Paul as fellow workers, as preachers and teachers, and all through the gift of prophecy. To edify, encourage, and comfort, but what in result does God have in mind for the individual who was being edified or built up by speaking in tongues? What is the end result of personal edification? Paul's understanding of the image of God. We can understand. What Paul believed was the end result of personal edification by examining his teaching concerning salvation of man and matters of the end time. Salvation to Paul essentially consists in being conformed to the image of the risen Christ. We are being built up into his image. This is a process and has a final result, when we are made in the image of Jesus, we are made in the image of God because in Christ we see the perfect image of God. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, Christ who is the image of God, Colossians 1 and 1, he is the image of the invisible God. This has been the plan of God for, the, for man since the beginning of man. Our physical man was made in the image of God and was the end product of God's workmanship. Presently, our spiritual man is being made into the image of Christ, God. And we continue to be God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. This process is happening at this present moment. This thought is supported by Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled faces, face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Paul states in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we are being transformed into the image of Christ. The word transform is the main verb parsed in the present tense, indicative mood, passive voice. This transformation had a beginning point and continues into the present. Paul is certain that this is happening. The action, the transformation comes from an outside force. This is not a work that we do, but he states it's a work of the Spirit being done to us. The transformation comes from the Lord. Who is the spirit? Bauer and Denker tells us that in this verse, from indicates the beginning of a series with both beginning and ending given. It is from glory to glory. Fee also agrees and states that this is an ever-increasing glory that is ours, that comes through the ministry of the spirit. This is important for resurrection. To make it to heaven requires that we are made in the image of Jesus. 1 John 3, 2 Philippians three twenty one. Paul states in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine when speaking of the resurrection, just as we have borne the image of the earthly Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly Jesus. There is a transformation at the resurrection into his likeness. The transformation begins with the initial infilling of the spirit, continue as we pro, process, continue as a process, as we speak in tongues for self-evification, and is concluded when the Spirit raises our bodies as the Spirit raised Jesus, Romans 8:11. Paul talked in tongues more than them all. Why? Because Paul longed to be made into the image of Christ. The hunger, the hunger that he had for this event caused him to talk in tongues to a greater amount than all. Its value was understood in that Paul did this in abundance. Summary, the experience of speaking in tongues is a life-changing event. Not only the initial experience, but throughout the life of the child of God. It assists in the change from earthly image to heavenly image of God. It helps us to reach the pinnacle of salvation that is to be made in the image of God. We have barely scratched the surface on, the, on its value. The significance of speaking in tongues on a regular, even daily basis increases as we examine the writings of Robert Graves in somewhat marvelous effects of praying in the Spirit, Graves states, the edification, one, of praying in the Spirit by speaking in tongues has turned worried, fearful, depressed, and bored and doubting Christians into individuals filled with peace, joy, boldness, excitement, and faith. That people testify to a deeper level of communication with God, to a greater sense of God's presence and God's guidance, to a greater power to overcome temptation and the dissolving of the fear of being used by God. That when we pray in tongues, we pray for those urgent needs unknown to the human mind, but they tell us that our prayer is in accordance with God's will. This dissolves another human limitation. For so many times, we waste our efforts praying for things that are not according to God's will. Praying in tongues propels the speaker towards God. The greatest value of praying in the Spirit is that it causes individuals to be comfortable about speaking the name of Jesus to the world. Margaret Palmer, in a book called Assembly of God at the Crossroads, writes this She joins graves to support the thought that glossalia has an effect on evangelism. In summary, she says, in summary, religious experience as measured by Glossalia continues as an important predicator of evangelism. The practice of praying in tongues may be attributed to part to a strong personal devotional life and an active congregation participation. Religious experiences are factors that encourage evangelistic outreach and thus facilitate church growth. Would the teaching of the importance of this, this experience encourage personal soul winning? Could the evangelistic efforts of the apostolic Pentecostal church be multiplied if, there, if pastors taught the importance of the experience and the church experienced it daily? Would those efforts result in a tremendous harvest for souls and our effort to reach the world? Are we using our greatest motivator, glosselia, to encourage the church to participate in the mission of the Lord. As Brown has stated in a discussion of speaking tongues and speaking mystery, the purposes of God are sometimes dynamic and compelling. We must remember the key verse of the book of Acts. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Pray that God will place in the hearts of men a desire to establish a biblical theology of tongues for our movement. Um, Let me just say a few things. First of all, I think it's important to understand that the study of tongues, as I've said, we've given much time and and, uh, thinking to the initial evidence. And uh, I've chosen uh, not to speak on that because I felt like the majority that are here are already believers in that. But I've tried to somehow uh, help us perhaps understand that there is... um, there is a need for a deep level of prayer that as you get in touch with God, that there are incredible things that will happen in your life as you begin to speak in tongues in your personal prayer life. I believe uh, as we look in the New Testament, there are basically two thoughts uh, that you see uh, that the Holy Ghost is connected with. You'll see Paul's connection with the Holy Spirit and uh, salvation. You will see Luke, who will write basically about eight years after Paul, he will use the Spirit as empowerment for service. Both of them are needed in the church today. Both of them are needed desperately, that there is an empowerment that comes from the from the Spirit of God moving on us, and as we begin to speak in tongues in our personal prayer life, there's a faith that will come. I would believe, and I think I could say close to probably 100% of you, that if you've ever spoken tongues, when you've been going through a problem or a trial, and when you got up, From that prayer time. The problem did not change. But your spirit did. You were edified. Built up. I'm open for questions. And as I told you before. I have my team ready. To be able to assist me. And I also do have. um, Brother Urshan is going to be here on phone. To help me also. So.
0: Thank you. What an amazing presentation. Amen. My first question today is a prepared question. It's a moderator question, and I want to uh, pose it to you. It's a grand, sweeping question. Uh, We believe, of course, the Bible teaches that at the Tower of Babel, it was tongues that scattered the world's people into the far corners of the globe. In Acts chapter 2, it was at this moment that tongues reassembles those dispersed people back into unity, purpose, and direction. As Adam and Eve both spoke to their first conversation, now God is speaking to his first conversation, to his bride-to-be. On this momentous occasion, the law was again being written. But this time it was being written on human hearts rather than stone tablets. It was the fulfillment of the young prophet Jeremiah concerning a new covenant. The Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the Advocator Guide had arrived. These 15 countries of dispersed Jews represented the whole world being visited by the supernatural creation of the church. In Genesis, creation is natural. In Acts, creation is spiritual. If we consider the works of Strabo, a Greek geographer and a philosopher and historian who lived in Asia Minor during the transitional period of the Roman Empire on into the Roman final days, we can easily see that this list in Acts chapter 2 represents a bird's eye view of the Roman Empire. These 15 nations represent the old Parthian kingdom, The old territory of the Medes and the Persians and the Greek-speaking nations of the empire are not listed as the tongues would not have impacted them for they already spoke Greek. It is noticeable that in verse 5 it clearly states there were people from every nation under heaven. These tongues, under the theology of tongues, ushered in by the mighty wind, gathered together people from across the known world my question to you as a moderator is do you believe this moment under the banner of the theology of tongues was God's moment to reunite fallen mankind back into the church that he had prepared for them
1: could I have you read that introduction again
0: no I'm teasing okay
1: um How about the question? The last part there. Let me. I, I, I was. I was messing around
0: and. You know, it was. Basically, is Acts two, God regathering, through tongues what he dispersed at Babel through tongues?
1: Yes, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, this is God, bringing together people from all over, and that as that was the the destruct the Tower of Babel ceased, uh, in being built because there was a lack of a common tongue. Now, the day of Pentecost is a time when God is now bringing them all back together. And now there is a, a speech from God talking in tongues that's common. And no matter where you go, and no matter where you're at in this world, when you are with someone who is a tongue talker, there you feel Connected, you feel connected, very much. So I believe that is the unification of God bringing that back. I think it's important to understand that uh, uh, that we need to see that happen everywhere we go, and we will see a uniting
0: of people. I think we have a question from our listening audience, brother Mayo. Thank you for that tremendous presentation, uh, Brother Wilmeth. Can you explain where Paul says about speaking in tongues of men and angels? Thank you.
1: I can't. I'll let my bishop do that. No, I'm <laughs> um, just I don't want to make up an answer. I don't know. I've never thought about it. So, I'm just being honest, so. Do you want me to make up an answer? I don't think you do. So, you're kind of all looking like, well, you're supposed to have an answer. No, I'm not. I don't. I'd rather be real than honest.
2: Thank you, Brother Wilmer, for that presentation. I, I do have two questions. Should I ask both now or wait and come back again? Uh, moderator, I can do either or. But first question, concerning the term initial evidence, um, we all know and believe, I would say that tongues, were listening for the tongues to know that someone received the Holy Ghost. The word initial, I was in a service one time, a lady was praying, a backslider had been gone for several years, wept and cried, did not speak in tongues. A man there told me he believed she was okay because tongues is just the initial evidence. So I was curious if you could respond to that line of thinking. Is tongues, and I I know the gifts of spirit and things you all covered go beyond that, but when it comes to the sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, would you say whether it be the first time or every single time when the Holy Ghost comes in to a backslider, they will speak in tongues again or they have not been refilled?
1: Um, I think the important thing to understand from me, and this is me, that I think that what we have done is looked at this birth of the Spirit as entering into the kingdom. You've got to be born of the water and the Spirit to enter in. Um, I think we have stopped and thought that was the end if you spoke in tongues and now you're saved. I believe, as I tried to show, that Paul believed that the end result was that you were to be made into the image of Christ. The initial experience of speaking in tongues is the beginning, not the ending. Now, because as I mentioned that he states in Second Corinthians 3.18 that we are transformed by the Spirit into this image. I believe that if you have left God, I believe at some time you will speak in tongues because this is part of the process of being built up. Not only are you going to be built up by the word of God in a communal setting by a preacher and that's going to help build you up, but there's also the thought of being built up by the spirit as Paul said as we speak in tongues. So, do I think they will? I think they will at some point that does not necessarily no, mean that they are going to do it right that moment. It could be after church. It could be whatever. But I think it should be an ongoing thing. It's very hard for me to understand why Paul spoke in tongues more than anyone else if it did not have value. When I look in Second in Corinthians and about everything he went through, the beatings, the thievery, the, 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 the robberies, the, all of the care of the daily church, all that. If I could not speak in tongues as a pastor, dealing with some things that I deal with, friend, let me tell you, uh, I would have blown my mind, my brains out a long time ago. It's, the, it's praying, the care of the church, praying getting a hold of God and all of a sudden I begin to speak in tongues and something begins to come and sometimes there's answers to the problems come to me right then. The mystery that I couldn't put my hand on begin to come right then. I begin to feel a boldness come over me and I, okay, I, I, I know what we're supposed to do. So I, I, I think this is an important thing. So I don't know if I answered your question. I, 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 to say that they're going to speak in tongues that very time, I think if you're going to come back to God, you will speak in tongues at some time because it's to help you also be edified and built into the image of Christ, and you can't do it by yourself.
0: Jamie McCann. She has a question. Thank you, Brother Wilmoth and Pastor Bo. My question comes from page 17, the second um, paragraph. Is it essential to pray in your own language when communicating with God in addition to speaking in tongues, or would only speaking in tongues for
2: communication suffice?
1: I think there are times, and I think that's what Paul was letting us know, there were times that he prayed with his mind and the language he knew uh, and and did not speak in tongues maybe in that prayer session. Uh, There might have been times that as soon as he hit his knees, he was talking in tongues. I don't think it has to be either or. I think it could be a combination. I think it is... uh, it just all depends on what's happening in your life, what's taking place, how you need to be built up. Did I answer that question for you? Yes, ma'am.
0: We have a question by Brother Caleb Adams. Isaiah twenty-eight eleven says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Paul clearly associates this particular text in Isaiah with the practice of speaking in tongues in his uh, instructions in 1 Corinthians 14. A specific question is, what role does stammering lips play uh, in the whole process of speaking in tongues? Is it an initial evidence? Should it be distinguished from tongues? Uh, Where do you specifically see the stammering of the lips fitting in this whole picture.
1: Um, I believe that the stammering lips is a sign that God's Spirit is moving, but I do not believe that that is the uh, meaning that the Holy Spirit is within you. I think that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. But I do believe that when stammering lips uh, is there happening, there, you're making contact with the Spirit. Now, whether the Spirit has came in or not, you know, I don't think it has. I think you'll begin to speak in tongues when the Spirit comes in. Um, I, I, but I do believe that you are definitely in contact with the Spirit of God. And I believe you're probably closer to receiving the Spirit of God then, if you're praying with someone and they're handshaking. To me, you're still, pro- they're, 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 they're starting to yield their body. But the hardest member to yield is the tongue. The lip's pretty close to the tongue, so I believe it's a little closer than the hand. Okay? So I think you're getting closer.
0: Let's put it that way. I saw another hand in here somewhere. Yes, right here, this place.
2: really enjoying this. Um, My question is derived from people that I talk to that feel they're already saved, but they don't have to speak in tongues. And of course, it's always the speaking in tongues versus the gift of tongues,
0: as they always feel that if God wants them to speak in tongues, they'll do it through the gifts of the Spirit. They don't have to have speaking in tongues as an evidence that they got the Holy Ghost. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: well what I've tried to present to you is another answer and the answer is 2nd Corinthians 318 that there's a transfer, transformation that happens by the spirit and that when we speak in tongues we're being edified and that the important thing is that what to be made into the image of Christ so as you Begin to receive the spirit of God. And uh, as you begin to. uh, There as Paul become a tongue talker like Paul. Then that is going to help propel you. To become there closer being built into the image of God. So I'm trying to take it away from this. Just the point that. Okay you spoke in tongues. And now everything's all right. No I'm trying to say. No you gotta go. You know here's what's happening. It's going to build you up. It's going to edify you. It's going to edify you. So this is what, and that edification builds you up until you are made into the image of Christ. Does that help you, brother, understand what I'm saying? Okay, we... So,
0: uh,
1: okay, go ahead. No.
0: Uh, I'm in communication with the people that are wanting to control the flow here. So what we'd like to do today is take, we've got one more from the Holy Ghost Radio audience, then we'd like to take a break because we have another speaker. Up till now, you've only had two speakers, and we're going to enter our third. We want to make sure we're fresh and ready for our closing speaker, Dr. Miles Young. So we're going to take this question, answer it, take a break, and come back and begin our final session uh, before dinner. There are many that feel that 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 plainly states that when there are tongues, they shall cease.
1: Um, that I have found in my experiences that that is one of the biggest arguments against uh, people receiving the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. Could you comment on that, please? Well, I think that you'll probably stop speaking in tongues when you're made into the image of Christ, which is only done when you are resurrected. So, there'll probably be no speaking in tongues
0: in heaven. So, tongues will cease. Can you give him a good hand? Would you stand? Stand together.